0: that good song. I always think about a, a friend of mine who uh, was a radio announcer for a Christian radio station. He introduced me to that song, and uh, I'd never heard it before. He, His wife had left him, was going through a very nasty divorce, and I didn't know it, but he had contemplated taking his life, and he was working late nights, uh, We call it spinning records, but they weren't doing that. This is about 20 years ago or so. And he came across that song, and he told me he would just play that song for other people, but he was thinking about it for himself. I always think about him, want to hear that. Think about myself. It's a a good song, a good savior. Thank you so much. want you to pray for my mom. She was in the emergency room last night for a long time. Got home about 11 o'clock. And so uh, <clears throat> she's she's okay right now. But obviously she's not in, in church this morning. So if you pray for her, she's uh, she'll be 81 next month. And so pray for my mom. And then uh, congratulations to uh, Lionel and Emily. Most of you are aware that they had their little baby girl. Adeline Ray this week, and we are, are so happy with them and for them, so uh, good things. I want you to turn this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, if you could locate that, Matthew 16, and then we'll look at a few other verses there, in Matthew 16, and then also Acts chapter 15. Um, I want you to mark a few things that will help you, Matthew 16 in Acts 15, and we'll look at a few things. I hope i uh, show you some verses on the screen, and if you would uh, take a pen and paper and write some things down, I think that it would help you. The other day, I don't know why we buy bottled water, but we do. How many of you do that? How many of you buy bottled water? Do you? A lot of people don't. They just, we've got a little filter on the refrigerator, and we use it. But I guess it's for convenience' sake. But uh, so I went over, went to the store and picked up some of that for us, and uh, casually, you know, tossed it in the basket and picked up a few other things and and brought it home. And then uh, later went to the uh, the gas station and pulled up and uh, put some gasoline in the car. Paula's pet peeve is um, she'll say, "Well, how much was it?" I said, "Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm just putting gas in the tank." And, uh, now, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Sometimes that's a spiritual gift of mine, but I, I don't do that. To tweak her, I just don't know because she wants to know to you know, enter it in the ledger. And she says, I can't believe you, you don't know that. And I say, well, what does Acts 1631 say? Said, well, I don't know. I said, well, I can't believe you don't know. No, I don't do that. <laughs> but I would like to. I said, I, I just don't know, Polly. It wasn't $500. It's not going to break us. I just put gas in the tank. Well, well I don't know. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. It may cause a little fight between some people here today. But I picked up the water and put gas in the tank, and it was just of, of no no consequence. I didn't think anything about it. And then uh, <clears throat> got home and then went to visit a grief-stricken friend that had lost a loved one, all in the same setting. Now, that had an entirely different tone. Uh, in that setting, it was very intentional. I was very careful with what I said. My spirit was different. It was just different. When I went to the store to pick up some bottled water, well, you know, what brand, it doesn't matter. We'll just grab some, get some. Uh, it doesn't matter what gas station. We'll just come over here. we we'll need some gasoline. But here's a friend that has a broken heart And uh, my words need to be few. I need to listen more than I need to talk. And the things I need, need to say need to count. I need to listen to the Lord, listen to their heart. That's a whole different environment. There are some things that we do in life that aren't important, and we can ignore them in terms of consequence. They're not going to make any difference in our life or the lives of others. But there are other matters that, if we neglect them, have grave consequences. And the most crucial information, the most crucial process of information that you will ever deal with has to do with who Jesus is and your response to the Lord Jesus. Now, in the Bible, Jesus has different titles. Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I was a little boy, I grew up in church. I thought that that was his name. My name is Richard Allen Johnson. I thought that was his name, Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not his name, his first, middle, and last name. His name is Jesus, which means Savior. Christ is his office, which is anointed one or Messiah. Lord is his title. And so these titles, these names... These roles that the Lord Jesus has and what we do with them, listen carefully, how we respond to them. This is really the, the, the fulcrum of the message right here. How you respond to the title and the role and the name of the Lord Jesus will be the sum of your life in terms of how you respond to. To that. It's determined by that. The Lord Jesus Christ. How do you respond to the Lord Jesus Christ? And I just want to take one piece of of that title name, and I want to talk to you today about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, since Jesus is Lord, and He is, and I want to kind of expound on that this morning, give you something very specific to think about, then our only response is complete and unconditional surrender to Him. Since He is, not if, but since He is the Lord, the only response to every person, whether they're saved or lost, is a complete and unconditional response. A surrender of our lives to him. Now, Jesus looked at his disciples. You have your Bible open there in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. And he said, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? He was interested in that. He said, who do people say that I am? And they gave him uh, some names, Jeremiah they said, oh, you remind us of Jeremiah, John the Baptist, Elijah. Uh, many, many years ago, I preached a message on the personality of Jesus based on their response. Uh, Jesus was a man of compassion. They thought about Jeremiah. Jesus was a man of conviction. They thought about John the Baptist. And Jesus was a man of great spiritual power. They thought about Elijah. And, uh, but they, all of those, while they were true of Christ, they missed the mark. And then later on there at the end of the verse, he, he made it particular, which is the most important question. He said, well, well, who do you say that I am? And the point being is this, is Jesus is, is vitally interested in what you think and who you think he is and your response to that answer. Because listen, if you're wrong on who Jesus is, on that way is your eternal destination. Not to mention what you the the kind of quality you have in this little span of life here on this globe. But what you're going to do forever and ever and ever. The church that exalts Jesus will have a, a, a healthy and fruitful life in her ministries and in her message. That's what we're to do. We're to exalt Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 12 and verse 32... Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That's our task. Today, when you, when you go out to the restaurant to, to exalt Jesus and your conversation with one another, uh, at home with your children, to, to lift up Jesus. You know, your, your job is not to get your kids to love the church. Now, listen carefully. I want my kids to love the church. But, but if my kids love Jesus, I love church. I a lot of kids that have gone to church, but they don't love church because they don't love Jesus. The problem is Jesus. Jesus said, if you'll lift me up, lift me up. What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about the Lord Jesus Christ? Jack Hudson said this. He said, make much of Jesus and he will make much of you. I think that's true of our church. If we will make much of Jesus, he will make much of a Friendship Baptist Church. We're not to be concerned about the growth of our church. We're to be concerned about exalting Jesus. You know, I, I'm not concerned about that people know what, uh, if, if we do something that's associated with our church. I sure don't know the bad things. I mean, I've told you this before. One of our previous churches we had little bumper stickers that said, uh, follow me as I go to, to Calvary Road Baptist Church. And I remember when I came to this church, I thought, I'm never making those. You know, put it on some of you bumper stickers, you know. Follow me as a Zoom. I said, I, I don't think so. You know, we, we won't do that. We'll put some other churches on there. Go out there and follow me as I go to put, put that one on there. And uh, some of the, make much of Jesus, and he, he will make much of our church. Make much of Jesus in the song service and in our personal lives. It's so vital that we understand who Jesus is. And the Bible says, and the word that he uses, and listen carefully. The word that is used is that he is the Lord. He is the Lord. Now, I grew up in church, so I'm used to this. If, If you didn't grow up in church, you're not used to this. And there's been some criticism and I want to address it real quickly, uh, of the name Lord. I love this name. I remember when my daddy prayed, and uh, I would hear him in, in prayer meetings, and he would say, Lord, and he would say, Master. My daddy loved to call his Heavenly Father Master. And he would just, not in a redundant way, but he would sprinkle that in there sometimes. And not very many people have have said that, but my dad often said that, Master. He acknowledged that Jesus was the Lord by the verbiage that he used. Well, when the translators in the 1600s gave us the Bible uh, that we have today, then they, they took th- this word, this Greek word in the New Testament, Hebrew word in the Old Testament. In fact, the most common name used of God in the Old Testament, is the word Lord. And they translated it Lord. And it has the idea of, of sovereignty, of course, and that idea of government in the English government. Uh, the King James Version is governed by monarchy with complete submission. Uh, are, you, are you tracking with me? A monarchy governed with complete submission. That's the idea and, and I've heard some people, and I'm not going to fight this fight other than I want you to think with me. And they'll say, well, we want to explain that to people because they can't understand that. So what it means is Lord means like boss or CEO. You want to make Jesus uh, the boss of your life or the king of your life? Well, nobody understands that either, you know, really. Or they understand boss or CEO or leader. And... Um, I guess the, the best I can explain it is this, is that, and this is kind of a historical reference somewhat, but it's also true that when you use, use those terms, it only describes a particular section of authority. If you're the boss, you're the boss of this division, or the boss of this company. But when you're the Lord, you, you, you are the monarch of the entire country. And when he is the Lord, he is the monarch of the entire universe. He's not just the, the boss or the leader. And I'm not trying to fight an unnecessary fight. I'm just simply saying, listen, that the word Lord is a good word. And his lordship, his authority, he's the king, he is the master. He's to be the ruler of your life. The Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. At his birth, when the angels came to the shepherds in the field and they announced that he was to be born, he was declared to be the Lord. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior, not just a Savior, but a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Before he was even born... He wasn't just a savior, but he was a savior that was going to be the Lord, the king, the master. After he was crucified and after he was risen again, one of his disciples, Thomas, was kind of an analytical mindset and he had some, some doubts. And Jesus came in John chapter 20, which was kind of, some people said, the first, quote, Sunday night service in the history of the world. But it was a Sunday, it was a Lord's Day, Sunday evening. And he walked right through the door. The molecular structure of his body, he just walked right through the door. And the Bible says they were a little bit afraid. And Thomas was there. He wasn't there at any other time. But he had gathered with him that night. In John chapter 20, verse 28, here's what Thomas said. And Thomas answered, he's speaking to Jesus, and said, "What this? He said, my Lord and my God. He not only acknowledged him as God, which if he's God, he's going to be the Lord. But before his, before his birth, he was announced as being Lord. And now after his resurrection, he's still the Lord because he is the Lord Jesus Christ. The word Lord in the Bible, in the New Testament, means supreme in authority. Again, it means master. It has the idea of controlling. He is the controller. He is the authority. In Acts chapter 15, the Bible says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. And interesting, there's that trilogy of words again. It doesn't say we believe that through the grace of Christ we shall be saved, though it could say that. It doesn't say through the grace of Jesus we shall be saved, though it could say that. And it doesn't say through the grace of the Lord, though it could say this. It says through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of those names is important, but He is the Lord. Is He the Lord of your life? Is He the master of your life? Who calls the shots in your life? Who is the authority in your life? Who's the ruler in your life? Who's the master in your life? In Matthew chapter 3, I ask you to turn to me. We'll go to, look at Acts 15 in just a second. But look at uh, Matthew chapter 3. I had you Matthew uh, 16. Go back to chapter 3 real quickly. Notice John the Baptist when he announced uh, the coming of Jesus. Matthew chapter 3 in verse 3. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Even when John the Baptist preached and announced his coming, his cousin, he said, The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. This is interesting as you read through the New Testament, especially the Gospels. You'll see this over and over again. Move over three or four pages. Look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And uh, here Jesus meets a leper. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2. He's meeting a leper. Look at his response. Matthew 8, 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped Jesus, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Notice what he called him. He said, Lord. Then Jesus meets uh, a centurion who had a servant that was sick. A centurion was a Roman soldier who had a company of soldiers under him, a man of great authority. Uh, Now, this is another man. In the same chapter, Matthew 8, 6. And he said, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. He calls him Lord, different man. In Matthew chapter 8, in verse 21, a man came to Jesus. This is another man. And he was contemplating discipleship. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. I'll come back to that later. Lord. Now, these are three different people. And then in the same chapter, the very same chapter, another instance, Matthew chapter 8, they're in a boat... And uh, the storm comes up, the waves, they think they're going to die. Notice in verse 25, and the disciples came to Jesus and they woke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Now, why am I I having some time to to look in the word of God? First of all, that's where the authority is, that's where the life is. But these are not my words, this is not my opinion. He is, he's the Lord. I had you turn to Acts chapter 15. I want you to see this. This is so profound. Uh, it's simple, but it's profound. Acts chapter 15, notice in verse 35. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. You know what the Bible is called? The word of the master. Not just the word of God, the word of the Lord. It's his book. It's his book of instructions that he expects to be obeyed. Look at the next verse, verse 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word, the word of the Lord. The book you have on your lap is not just a reader's digest, it's not just a book of opinions, it's not just a book where you can dust off and bring to church. It's the word of the Lord. God expects for it to be obeyed. Across the page, or turn the page, in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were there ministering to the Philippian jailer, notice in verse 32, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord. They spake unto him the word of the Lord. Over and over again, the Bible is called the word of the Lord. It means this, it means that he is in charge and he's given us a book that tells us what he expects his authority is mediated through his word you know one of one of my tasks as a pastor is to get you to live under the authority of the word of god now that's not my when i stand before jesus i won't give an account for whether you do that or not that you will but it is my job to teach you and to challenge you to do that. It's the word, not the word of ricks, not the word of the church, not the word of the pope. It's the word of the Lord. That's why. That's why we throw a lot of verses on the screen. That's why this is a Bible preaching church. We have convictions about this. This is the word. This is the word of the Lord. He's in charge. He was in charge of the Old Testament law when. Jesus came and they began to eat, eat some food on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees were trying to catch him. They began to criticize him. And he said, well, David did this. And he began to interpret the law. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. He's Lord of the Sabbath day. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'm in charge of the Old Testament law. I'm in charge. I know how to interpret it. Jesus is in charge of every single person. He's Lord over lost, over saved, believing, unbelieving, pagan, committed Christians. It doesn't matter. He, he is the Lord. He's in charge. Acts chapter 10 verse 36. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. He's in charge of all. He's the master of all. Sometimes I don't like that. Because I don't like what the master's doing. He makes me uncomfortable. Sometimes it's not pain, but it's uncertainty. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot more comfort in knowing the benevolent heart and the kindness of a good God than there is a cruel taskmaster. I'm good with that. Psalm 119, verse 68, I think, he, he doeth all things well. The Lord is good. He's in charge of the elements. He's in charge of the weather. The disciples were in some inclement weather. And Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, Peter was in the boat. Jesus began to walk on the water beside them. And Peter answered Jesus and said, notice what He called Him. He said, Lord... Master, ruler, if it be thou, that's you, bid me, come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And who said, come? The, The Lord did. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now look, if the Lord tells you you can do something, you can do it. He's in charge of the weather. But when Peter saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. He got his eyes off of Jesus he began to sink, and then he knew what to do, and he cried, saying, "Lord, save me! Lord, save me!" Now, this matter of lordship it has it has two two ideas. Number one, an acknowledgement, acknowledging the fact that he's the authority. Have you ever done that? And that he mediates your life through the Word of God. And the Spirit of God takes the Word of God to conform conform your life to the Son of God. Do, Do you believe that? If not, you're going to be a bitter person when bad stuff happens to you. And it's going to happen to you. Because we live in a fallen world. That's what heaven is about. It's to rearrange and reconcile these things. But you've got to acknowledge it. But that's not enough. And this is what this message is about. And I'm going to finish it later. But secondly, you must have a response of complete submission to the authority of Christ. You acknowledge the fact that he owns it all, that he created it all, that he is your redeemer and sustainer. I acknowledge, Lord, you're the master. You are the Lord. And in this acknowledgement, I I submit everything to you. My family belongs to you. My money belongs belongs to you. My time belongs to you. My body belongs to you. My future belongs to you. Everything that I have belongs to you. Everything. I give you everything in my life. Most of us, we learn that the hard way. We mess it up. And then we give it back to God, want him to fix it. Or worse, we get angry at him because we mess it up. And God says, well, if you would have just listened to the word of the Lord and paid attention, you wouldn't be there. And now I want to help you again. But you're so angry and bitter. I don't know that I can help you now. The word of the Lord. If Jesus is the Lord, the only response is one of unconditional and complete surrender. Now, what are these implications? And there's five or six. I'm just going to give you one. One implication this morning, the Lordship Lordship of Jesus Christ, here's the implication, affects my eternal destiny. The Lordship of Jesus Christ affects my eternal destiny. You see, it's not just Jesus Christ, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. If If He's not the Lord, if He's not the Master, if He's not the King he's not the absolute sovereign, then he he, he cannot take me to heaven. Because there's one greater than he. He's, he has over, he's over the enemy. He's over the devil. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, What's this. Peter said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know. And he was preaching to the Jews, remember. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly, That God hath made that same Jesus, watch this, whom ye have crucified. He was very direct. Now, I want you to pay attention to the next word. Both. He wasn't just Christ. He wasn't just the Messiah. But he's both Lord and Christ. Now, he was Lord when he was conceived in his mother's womb. But he he's Lord in a special way now that he has been resurrected from the dead and he's ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of his father. And Peter's preaching to these people that have um, crucified him as a people. And he says, now he is both Lord and Christ. He's not just Jesus. He's not just Christ. But he's also the Lord. You know why you haven't repented? Because you've never acknowledged him as Lord. Because you run your life. Well, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Okay. Well, you're going to hell. Well, I, no preacher is going to, this is not an issue of no preacher. I haven't said one thing that's my opinion, I'm giving you the word of God this morning. Yeah, but I just don't believe, well, you, you can go, you can have your own stuff. But I'm, I'm going to tell you what the word of the Lord says. You see, repentance grapples with authority. And when you come to the place where you say, okay, I am no longer going to be the authority in my life. Then you become broken over that and you begin to submit to the law of God in your life. I don't mean in a legal way. But in a heartbroken way, and your spirit small as your attitude begins to change. Here's what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to change of action. Now, repentance is not a change of action. So well, I thought it was. No, that's what the Bible calls the fruits of repentance. Change of action is reformation. That's what lost church members do. They come in and they, they change their behavior for a while. They stop cussing, they stop drinking, they stop this, and then they add this, they add, and then they go back to it. Second Peter 2 talks about it. They, they go back as a dog goes back to the vomit. They go back to their old life because what they did, when, when, you, when you clean up a pig, this is all in Second Peter 2, you clean up a pig, they're going to go back to the slop because it's in their nature. You just cleaned them up externally. Repentance is not external, it's internal. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of your heart that leads to a change of action. That's why here at this church, because it's based on the word of the Lord, we aim for the heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's where the behavior is at. See, some of you, listen carefully, you acknowledge... The lordship of Christ, but it does not affect the way that you live. That's dangerous. If I were to ask you, do you believe in the lordship of Christ? You would say, "Well, yes." But what's scary is it—it it doesn't affect anything in the way you live. It doesn't affect your church attendance. It doesn't affect your Bible reading. It doesn't affect your your financial giving, your tithing. It doesn't affect the way you use your time. It doesn't affect the way that you raise your children. Doesn't affect anything. But, it is, is you give mental assent to the fact, well, yeah, I believe in the deity of Christ. I believe in the authority of God. But there are no fruits of repentance because the authority of God has never conquered you because your will has never submitted to it. And this is an eternal question. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, the very first Bible verse I learned. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, or agree with this. Watch what it says. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Jesus. No. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. And shall believe in your heart. Remember, repentance is a change of mind that leads to change of behavior. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, that he is who he says he is, and he did what he said he would do, thou shalt be saved. But it's not just, oh yeah, I, I'm kind of interested in being saved. Sometimes I, I go to camp, and I love camp ministry. And, and you can't always tell who's saved and who's not. But I can't help sometimes but wonder... Something's wrong. Something's wrong with that kid. There's no conviction. There's no brokenness. They're down there behaving this way in a service. And as soon as the service is over, they're, they're back out here behaving in profane ways or in carnal ways. There's no authority of God in their life. There's no brokenness. Something's wrong. Well, they're just backslidden. Well, maybe they are, but maybe they're lost. Something's wrong. Romans ten twelve, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord, same passage over all, is rich unto all that call on Him. Next verse, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall be called in the name of the Lord, His name is Jesus. But Jesus is the Lord; He's a Savior. I see myself as a sinner, and I need Him. Paul was under conviction. He had seen Stephen, <clears throat> who had been murdered, the first Christian martyr. Paul was holding his garments there, and uh, it it really broke his conscience. Back then, they would they would have these uh, to, to prod the animals on. They, they would have these sticks and at the end of it, they, they would sharpen end, and, and they would prod the animals, the ox, to, to get them to go on. And uh, they would prick them. They, they would go on to get them to motivate him. It was a picture of conviction. <laughs> it's uncomfortable where God would poke you. Paul was under conviction on the road to Damascus to go Kill some Christians. Acts chapter 9 and verse 5. He met the Lord and he said, Who art thou, Lord? Isn't that interesting? Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, didn't say God said, though he was God. The Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And he's talking to Saul, who would become Paul. It is hard for thee to kick against the prigs. In other words, you're under conviction. Now, stay with me. He's under conviction, and he's calling him Lord for the first time. Now, he's not quite there, but he's almost there to salvation. He's getting broken. And he trembling, that is Saul, and astonished, said, Lord, there he is again. What would thou have me to do? Now, you get saved, not by saying, God, what do you want me to do? You get saved by trusting Christ but here's what he's doing is, is he's saying, God, I, I, I'm broken. What am I supposed to do? And the Lord said, please don't miss this over and over again. He's calling him Lord. And when God uses his name in response to him, it's Lord, Lord, Lord. When Paul got saved and he gave the message to the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31 He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus was crucified in the middle, there were two thieves on the one side and the other. One of those thieves got saved. And just before he died in Luke chapter 23 and verse 42, this one thief said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your, your kingdom. You know what, gang? When, when we stand before Jesus one day on Judgment Day, you're not going to be given a doctrinal exam. What did you believe correctly? And I believe doctrine is important. God's going to want to know what did you do about what you believed your behavior is important but what did you do about what you believed at the book of first corinthians it, it kind of has a very both a precious and a convicting ending first corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22 look at it if any man look at this if any man love not the lord jesus christ Let him be anathema, maranatha. Anathema means judgment when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, there's going to be judgment. You're going to hell. If any man love not... Now stay with me. Oh, I love Jesus. I do too. I love Christ. I do too. I want to ask you a question. Do you love the lordship of Christ? 'Cause the verse says the verse says if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, his authority. And my flesh doesn't. But I've come to realize that's the safe place. Listen, in your in your heart and mind there's a cross and there's a throne. All right? In your heart and mind there's a cross and there's a throne. Whenever you sit on the throne, you put Jesus on the cross. But when you get on the cross, you put Jesus on the throne. Have you put Jesus on the throne where you are crucified and stating that He is the Lord? Do you love Do you love that life? I'm not saying that there's not times you don't slip away from that. Listen. The songwriter said, he said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Listen, I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, if there's never a time, if there's never a time that you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ, something is wrong. Something's wrong. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, pay attention to this, not everybody that says, watch this, the emphasis, two times, Lord, Lord. Now, I'm, I'm going to say it, and, and I don't want you get mad at me. I'm worried about the praise generation. I love praise. I wept last night. I watched, I watched music on television. I wept for an hour. I would have thought there's a place for corporate worship, but I'd 10,000 times rather you worship privately than you worship corporately. Because when you worship privately, it will come forth corporately. David Gibbs said years ago, I'll never forget. He said, "I'm afraid that people love praise more than they love Jesus." And I've seen some of that. Where the trappings are there. Well, I, I don't like that. But do you love, Jesus, or do you just do you just love the the praise effect? Not, not every man that says unto me, Lord, Lord, that knows the words, that knows the, the chord charts, that's in the band, that's in the pulpit. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. And watch this. But the person that has the fruits of repentance, that he that does the will of God. Now, you don't get to go to heaven... Because you do the will of God. That is the evidence of your new birth. Okay? The way you go to heaven is when you're leading a person. Well, you got to do the will of God. That's by works. I'll show you how he debunks that in a minute. But that's the fruit of God's grace in your life. It's not what you say that tells people you're a Christian. It's how you live. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, there it is again. And, and notice this saying, have we not, and, and, and here is there, I've had people that have said, well, I don't like this passage because it makes me doubt my salvation. I said, it doesn't mean because this is a person that is relying on their works. Many will say to me in that day, have we not prophesied in thy name? I did this and it was in your name. And cast in thy name cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Lord, we've done all this stuff and we did it in your name. Now, I want to ask you a question. Who's their focus on? Now, they kind of put some winter dressing on it, put Jesus in it, But it's all about them. I did all this stuff. I cast out devils. I did many wonderful works. I did this stuff. And then Jesus says, I will... Profess unto them, I never knew you. Not you were backslidden. No, you've never been converted. I don't know you. I've never known you. Depart from me. Now, now don't miss this. Ye that work. Iniquity. Your works are iniquitous to me. They mean nothing to me because you do not love me. And you are not under my authority, even though you profess to be, Lord, Lord. In the parable of the ten virgins, <coughs> excuse me, five of them were wise, five were foolish, five came prepared with the wool, five did not, to light their lamps at the wedding. Matthew 25, 11, and 12. Afterward, the other virgins said, Lord, Lord, Notice the similarity. The verbiage is just right. They even make sure they're redundant with it. But he answered and said, I I verily, verily I I don't know you. I know you not. We don't have any relationship. You never read my word. You never attended my church and we did. You didn't listen. We didn't pray. I don't I don't know you John chapter 10 and verse 14 Jesus said I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of them it's not just do you know Jesus but does he know you it's a two-way relationship now notice what the Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse 27 let me let me read it like it doesn't say it here's what it doesn't say my sheep ought to to hear my voice. Would you hear his voice through the Bible? And through the word of God it's preached and taught. Now you ought to hear the voice of God. I've heard preachers. Now you hear the Bible. So you ought to hear his. No, it doesn't say that. If you're a sheep and not a goat, you will hear his voice. You may not like it. It may convict you, but you will hear his voice. It's a voice of authority. And I know them. And they follow me. Not they ought to follow me. And it's not about perfection. It's about direction. That's why the shepherd had a he had a staff. One end had a crook. And the other end had, had a knob at the end. Sometimes he would spank them because they would get out of line. But they followed their shepherd. He'd go after them when they didn't. They followed the shepherd. A magazine, ladies' magazine of 25,000 readers... Between the ages of 18 and 2035, of of the survey of 25,000 readers, 70% 70 prayed, said they prayed. 87% felt like God was always helping them or had helped them through a particular period in their life. So the vast majority said prayed or God is active in their life. But they also, the same group, the same sample, they kind of, cherry-picked and ignored what they wanted and without discarding their faith. So they wanted to have the Christian faith, but they didn't want to embrace it all. The same poll found that nearly half of the sample disagreed with their church's teaching on premarital sex, and a third, 42%, of single women disagreed with their religion on abortion. There's a disconnect between what the Bible meant in terms of application and this romanticization of Christianity. Oh, the Lord has helped me. Well, in my church over here. Well, what does the Word of the Lord say? Does it have a place of authority in your life? Are you sub- are you submitted to it? Well, no, no, that's just your opinion. Well, no, we pretty. Cl- it's pretty clear. A Gallup poll showed that 78% of Americans expect to go to heaven when they die. However, many of them hardly ever pray, read the Bible, or attend church. They admit that they live to please themselves instead of God. I wonder why these people would want to go to heaven. In an article entitled, Are We Ready for Heaven? Maurice Irwin points out that only 34% of Americans who call themselves Christians attend church at least once a week. Listen to this. Irwin says, "We sing when all my labors and trials are o'er, and I am safe on that beautiful shore. Just to be near the dear Lord, I adore will through the ages be glory for me. However, unless our attitudes towards the Lord and our appreciation him changed greatly, heaven may be more of a shock than a glory. Do you know the Lord of the universe?" Have you just given a mental assent to a doctrinal statement? Have you submitted to his authority? Titus chapter 1 and verse 16 says, They profess that they know God. Oh, I, I know God. But he works in works and the fruit of repentance, they deny him. Rather being abominable... That means they're doing these things, a special sin that God has a special hatred for. They're disobedient. They're not under, rather than being under authority, they, they reject it. And unto every good work reprobate. Watch this, this is frightening. James 1.22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And what was the deception? The deception was they equated hearing and doing. Well, I went to church today, so I heard the word, so I'm doing it. No, no, hearing is not doing. And if you think hearing and doing are the same thing, you've deceived yourself. Now, here's what's scary. Stay with me. When you've deceived yourself, you don't know you're deceived. You see yourself wrong. You think you're okay. Because you know stuff. You can argue the point. But you're not walking with God. You're doing nothing about it, but you're living in deception. Jesus, I'm almost finished. Jesus gave a parable about two sons. He sent them out to work. Matthew 21:29, the first son answered and said, "I will not." Nope, Dad." But afterward he repented and he went. And he came to his second son and said, likewise. And he, the second son, answered, yes, sir, I go. Okay, I will. But he went not. Whether of them twain or them two did the will of his father. And they say unto him, the first, the one that said, well, no. But then later on, he repented and changed. And Jesus saith unto them, verily, I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots, that is the, the low lives of society to these religious people. They're going to go into heaven before you. Because they, they have broken the law of God, but now they're repenting. And you know it, but you're so self-deceived, you won't do it. You're not under the authority of the word of the Lord. Luke eleven twenty eight. blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Can I ask you a question? Is your life impacted at all when you read the Bible on a daily basis, if you read it? And when you come to church, when you come to church and you hear sermons, and you walk out that door and you get in your car, are you different at all? Does it make a discernible difference in your life? blessed there's a great blessing on a person that doesn't just hear the word of God but they keep it. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 Jesus said why call you me Lord o Lord and do not the things which I say why do you do that? Why don't we just dispose of that don't don't call me Lord. Why are you calling me dad, but you don't love me? Why do you call me Lord, but you don't obey me? When the angel came to Peter, and he told him to eat something unclean that his religion forbade him to, but God told him to do it, he said something that you cannot say. He said, not so, Lord. Peter didn't even know he'd done it. But here's what he was doing. He'd been saying Lord so much like I do. Lord, Lord, Lord. He had forgotten what the word meant. And he said, no, Lord. You cannot say no, Lord, when God asks you to do something. When you come into the family of God, you come into a place where he's the Lord. First Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I beseech you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing. The Lordship of Jesus Christ affects my eternal destiny. I'm finished. This morning, are, are you submitted to, to Christ's authority in your life? I I didn't ask you, did you believe it? Do you believe it? But are you submitted to it? Years ago, I I was preaching a message on the evidences of salvation. What does a Christian look like? That morning, we had, I think, eight people saved. We had uh, a man that was here, and he, he came down about the second or third verse. He took my hand and he said this. He said, I I need to rededicate my life. I said, okay. And I prayed with him. Months later, I I was with him in in another scenario. And he was under great conviction. And he said, "I, I need to be saved. I'm lost. I said, okay. He said, do you remember several months ago? He said, when you were... When you were preaching that morning, I said, Yeah, I remember that. And he said, Do you remember when I came forward and I took you by the hand up front and I said, I need to rededicate my life? I said, I remember that. He said, Rick, when I left my seat, I was lost. And I came forward to get saved and I knew I needed to get saved. But he said, From the time that I left my seat to the time that I got front, my pride took over. And I said, I can't tell anybody I'm lost. Everybody knows who I am. And so I changed my story. And I changed my approach. And I just said, I just want to rededicate my life. And there may be some of you that have never been broken before God. Some of you may be saved. and You've drifted away from God. Some of you may have never been saved. You need to... Responded to the conviction of God. 44 years ago, in a few weeks, on July the 29th, 1975, I was in Banneret, North Carolina on a Tuesday night. And I went forward in service. And I, I put my life under the authority of God. I'd done that before on a few occasions with some issues. Listen, with some issues. Kind of picked out some things. But I'd never done it wholesale. Lock, stock, and barrel, hook, line, and sinker from the sole of my feet to the crown of my head. Everything I have belongs to you, my future. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you ask of me, that's what I'll do. I give you everything that I have. When I came down that night and I stayed in this part of the altar, I was there for 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. It was a long time. And that's not the point. And here's the only reason I mentioned the time to you, is it was important to me. And I wept my heart out. I have an old black Bible that's very sacred to me. And, and that Bible, I didn't even open it there in the altar. It was just closed. But I wept and wept and wept on top of that Bible. And they weren't false tears because a lot of other kids were going forward. I was one of the first ones forward, not because I was a good kid, because I was a broken kid. My parents were leaders in the church. I was a good kid. But I had never yielded myself to the authority of God in my life. And at that point, listen, the trajectory of my life began to change for good and for God. The Lordship of Jesus Christ has an impact upon your eternal destiny you to bag your heads with me if you would.